I love that because that's that's exactly it. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I've said this before. Is like we've all hired a bad W two employee. I mean, it's Absolutely. you. You've said it before to me uh, last week when we were chatting. Is you, you had a you know some HVAC guys basically go AWOL where they were missing for a week. Entire truck is stripped, and right. <laughs> I and mean that's a horror a story. And, yeah, it is. And you know, at the end of the day, you try to. Um, you, you try to do your due diligence. You go through. You do background checks on an employee, whether yeah. it's you know, direct or a subcontractor. Yeah. And they, they check off all the boxes, and then someone just had a bad day, or just snapped, or you yeah. know had some medical problem, and was bipolar, for instance, um, and just went crazy. And rather than look at it as a you know reflection on the entire organization, whether you're self-perform or you know national outsource, uh, you got to really look at it and say, you know what? Things happen like that. That's exactly. that's the human element of business per se. It doesn't matter what business, any yep. business. Yep. You know, someone could you know rob you blind, and then you've got you know two thousand employees that are you know solid stand up employees. But you know, it's the it's the law of averages, right? Yeah. At some point in time, it's going to happen. And to sit there and say, well, a self performed company never has that happen, or or an outsourced company never has that. Happen. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, yeah. and it's something that. You know, I've got to say, uh, sitting in these meetings, I, 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 I cringe and I laugh in the same in the same context. It's just it's funny to me. You know? Yeah, no. And, and that's exactly it. It's 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 one of those things where if it's I don't know, like you're selling a if you if you really are on one side or the other side, that's fine. There's no point of trying to convince the other person, but you can educate like what you're saying. But at the but what was really important is the responsiveness of the company that has that problem. So you know someone doesn't show up, you know someone goes crazy, whatever the case is. Great, you know apologize, acknowledge the situation, and then find out a solution how you can make the customer happy again. You know because that's more to me. That's more important as a consumer. That's more important to me than something going bad. You know like. I know stuff goes bad. People are like, you're dealing with a human element, you know, everyone has emotions, but it's about how the, the company responds to the situation to make it right. I don't care if it's a refund. I don't care if it's a, we'll provide this, come up with a solution that we both agree on that's fair and then move forward, yep. you know? Yep. And apologize if, if, if it was something that, you know, wholeheartedly. And look, I've sat in between, remember, we sit in between the, the self-performed vendor yep. and the client a lot of times. Yep. But I've got no problem also telling a client that they're wrong, yep. right? We'll send things together and we'll say, look, you know what? In this instance, the vendor was right. They, you know, they troubleshot it. They did this. They did everything sequentially that they were supposed to do. Well, I don't want to pay. Well, just because you don't want to pay for it doesn't mean they didn't do the right job. That's a different story, right? Yep. So again, we take a very logical approach um, we understand that it's 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 a difficult conversation, um, but sometimes you've got to defend the right in, in that equation. So um, yeah. we're not, you know, uh, unwilling to do so when uh, push comes to shove. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, when I first got into this industry, people would ask the whole self-perform and, and or, or sub out. And I kind of sat there and I was like, really, that's that's how you de determine whether someone is you're willing to do business with somebody like I thought you're supposed to determine relationships like if you like the way they do business if you trust them if you like the things that basically would make me want to do business with someone or something um it, it's 
it's just interesting. Like that's like the only determining factor. And to me, it's a lack of education on the other person's side where, you know, like I understand you could be like on I one. Said, I, don't think, I don't think that true professionals would take that type of approach. I think it's the uneducated. Yes. The, the newer generation, if you will, of facility manager coming up yep. that looks at, at and overweights that particular factor in their decision making. Decision making. I don't necessarily think that that's the right approach. But again, I'm not gonna ha- I'm not gonna sit there and try to, you know, uh, make them realize that the way that I'm saying you should weight this entire thing or vet this entire thing is is because I've got a lot to gain from it. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. However, educate them. You know, you should be looking at this. You know, what kind of technology are they providing on the job sites? You know, what's their response time? What's their scorecard? Yep. You know, how well versed are they in, in the vertical markets that they service? Right. Yep. Look, you you know our pedigree. You, you understand where we come from, right? Yep. So don't come in here and tell me that you understand HVAC, for example, <laughs> when you've only been in the industry for three years. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you have three generations full of knowledge and data and actual jobs to to you know tell you why the job should be this. Yeah. And again, you can have a healthy conversation about it. Yep. But again, to overweight, you know, self-perform or national or whatever the case may be is just is just foolish. And they're not doing um, any justice, you know, for the, the organizations that they're serving either. You know? Yeah. No, I short, agree. Very short sighted. Another factor is labor rate per hour. That's another very short sighted, you know, yes. oh well this guy's seven dollars less an hour. It's like, well, that's all well and good. Again, he's got two trucks, you know. Um, he's got he's got carbon copy, you know, paperwork that he still fills out. Takes him two weeks to get you the quotes. Um, isn't up on the latest and greatest training from these manufacturers that are out there. Yeah, or uh, or, or they they okay. max out the NTE. Knowing that it could have been done like probably in an hour or two, they'll max out the NTE so they didn't exceed it. Um, to get their their rate, even though you're saving a few bucks here and there, and I'm like, you know, this is a two hour job. They max out at nine ninety eight. The NTE was a thousand. You know, like right. you just yep. got ripped off. Yeah, and like, people will get their money one way, shape, or form. Um, unfortunately, and it's just it goes back to what you're saying is it's that the educational part is is like it's not about you know what the cost is. Like w- what you should do is you should say. You know, what am I getting for when I pay this, you know, as opposed to like, well, so-and-so charges less, you know, like we all understand that when you pay a little bit more, there should probably be more value behind that. And, and to me, I'm okay paying more for services as long as I see the value behind it and I'm, I'm going to get X, Y, and Z, you know? Um, and so, you know, something that, you know, what you're, you're kind of talking about kind of, uh, Shares, sheds light on this on me for as well too. Is you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I was say, he's from your home. I was say, he's in your home state. So I mean, the guy's huge. Anyways, he, he posts a lot of this stuff. He's like, the best way to sell is, is and, and, and I'm just saying this verbatim, but he's like, the best way to sell is literally the people that want to buy from you. He's like, why waste your time on people that are not interested? And I have that so same approach. Earlier, that's my point earlier. That's exactly what I was saying. Yeah. You know, I'm not convince you to do work with either you see the value in what we bring to the table or you don't exactly i'm not going to spend time and money because i know that there's 10 other people out there that do see the value exactly so i'm sitting here having meetings flying here doing this (laughs) 
three or four people on a call at a time. That's all hard dollars to where I'm still never going to convince you yeah. because you've got it ingrained in your head that, you know, um, we're going to go with this other way of doing things or the, the cheaper price is the, is the way to go. But again, I think it's an uneducated, um, newer mentality. You know, that's that's the interesting thing, too. I've seen a lot of change in the industry specifically, and it doesn't matter what vertical market, but clients, the way that they, they used to uh, go to market, right, would be through the facility department. Okay. Right? Typically. Yep. Um, then it became, well, you know, let's do it through operations. Then it became, you know, the, the these RFP processes where the bean counters are actually the ones that are pulling the trigger on a particular department, or they say in conjunction with. But when it comes down to it, it's save the money, right? Again, short-sightedness um, at all costs. Yeah. And the cost is, is the service, the experience, what happens at those locations, the deliverables, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, I've seen that radical shift too. You know, who are we pitching to these days? Yep. Uh, I've seen the top-down approach. I've seen the bottom-up approach. I've seen the, the middle-out approach. So, you know, they're trying to all adapt and figure it out as well. The, the only, you know, downside to the, the mechanical industry per se is it's so fragmented. It is. And it's – you're either here or you're here. There's no middle ground. Yeah. I think we spoke about last week too yeah you're either a, you're either a five million dollar or under vendor or you're a hundred million dollars and bigger yep. that middle ground is is really the sweet spot that's because let's face it if you get to the hundred million dollar level typically you've got the attention of the billion dollar players and they're going to come and swallow you up yep whereas and then the other ones on the lower level there's a lot more of the five million and under however the technology is completely different getting technicians in the space is very difficult. You know, you're, you're going against these billion dollar players that are offering healthcare benefits, 401k, matching 401k, uh, so on and so forth. And, you know, just to get people into the trades hard enough, but then you're going to compete with these bigger uh, entities to, yeah. to get these technicians out in the field. So that's been another struggle that's, that's been difficult in our industry too, um, is getting the technician in the field labor that's needed. Yeah. And Especially technology environment that's changing so so rapidly yeah no i i agree i mean i i'm actually i i i focus on business development i focus on on sales i focus on marketing but you know we we're at a point at cmi mechanical that where we're like we can't get good quality techs to come in here and just interview and so they brought me into a meeting and i'm like listening to to their approach and they're like should we run radio ads i'm like why would you run radio ads they're like, well, so we can try to get techs to, to come work for us. I'm like, no, don't do that. I, I go, we can we can do this way better and way easier. Um, there's better ways in you know utilizing technology to to get qualified um, applicants to start working for us. And the way I looked at it is like, okay, HVC techs is like a lead for you know facilities, you know, for multi-site. So you got to find out how to get them to your site, to your location, if you will convince them why your company is a good company to work for, et cetera. So I kind of started looking at, you know, where we were, what we were doing. I'm like, okay, this isn't working. Then I started doing some simple Google searches and I would see that one of the top sites that was sharing like top 20 HVC tech company or uh, tech uh, jobs to work at in your city 
was like a job posting site. It wasn't Indeed. It was one that I never heard of. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give this a shot. Company's called Simply Hired. And so anyways, sure. I put a I put basically an ad in there. Uh, it wasn't even a paid ad. But point being is like I crafted the, the job description very, very well, put the right type of messaging, et cetera. And we were getting to the point now we were getting like five, six, seven actual applicants a week. And wow. it was insane. It was for us, we're not huge, but you know, our team was like, this is crazy. What are you doing? I'm like, I just found the top site that people are using to, to search for HVC techs. And now we're just getting organic applicants. And even right now during this recession that we're in, I'm still getting one to two applicants a week. And wow. what does that do? It gives us a pool of applicants so that whenever things start going crazy again, and we're going to start growing, we've got a pool of applicants that we could start interviewing again. And it was at one point, literally before this recession, we we had like, I don't know, half dozen to a dozen interviews of new techs that we we're going to bring on. And then all of a sudden this happened and, and you know, business right. slowed down. But point being is, is that, you know, you leverage technology on what's available out there and then you find out how to create a solution. You know, my other way of doing this is that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working on this shortly is creating a video ad to put on YouTube. Cause I was asking the text, like the, our project manager and service manager, I go, do you guys use YouTube to figure out how to fix certain things? If you can't, you know, if you don't really know, they're like, oh yeah, we use YouTube all the time. I go, that's interesting. I go, what if we ran ads for people that watch HVC videos? They're like, you can do that. I'm like, oh yeah, I can target these people very easily. And uh, we can make the ads really cool, really fun. So that people are sick and tired of working resi and, you know, they're getting looked over by, you know, you know, Johnny, like, what are you doing? You know, and they want to work on commercial jobs that are big industrial that are just, you know, much better than the resi side. This is an opportunity. We can call it out. And and all of a sudden, you know, they were thinking like, that's actually really smart. I go, yeah, because now we're different. We're not like everybody else. That's right. That's right. And then and then you could get specific to who's watching the videos in your local market. Exactly. And, you know, and if it's commercial grade videos, right? So it's they, they want to know how to change a blower section on a Linux, you know, RTU. Oh, guess what? Oh, it's in the local Denver market. Now you've got the attention of that person for 30 seconds while you run that quick ad before the actual you know help video comes on. So yeah. it's uh, it's very interesting, uh, you know, approach to how. Companies are, are reinventing how they're going to market, looking for certain people, utilizing certain technology, not only from that side of it, but yep. also out in the field. You know, what's what's going on with that from the actual tools themselves, from the the meters that they're using or, you know, it's funny because I'm a Novar certified uh, technician. I'm okay. also Honeywell certified nice. on uh they're building automation uh, platforms, and, and I'm going back <laughs> to the mid-90s. So a lot of this stuff was hardwired, you know, and you'd have to use a laptop, and you'd have these serial cables <laughs> plugged in. They were a nightmare, comparatively. Now it's just it makes me laugh, but just to show the progress, you go to something like, you know, a Nest thermostat, and the power that that's got comparatively to the building automation systems back then, oh my it's, God. it's night and day. But the funny part about it is, you know, if I wanted to install something of that magnitude, that thermostat in the mid 90s, yeah. uh, you're talking a four day job cabling out the whole thing. Oh, you know, I'm talking Lord. commercial application now because of Wi-Fi. But even just the, you know, the, the homeowner being able to or the, or the end user being able to 
put the thermostat in themselves. They give you all the directions. You go and yeah. watch a little tutorial. If you get snagged, oh, you need help. They got a customer service line. But it's like what used to be a 10-hour job has now turned into a 30-minute job right. for the average person to be able to, to do. Now, not everything is that cut and dry, but people are figuring out that the most um, performed things out there, whether it's changing a thermostat, um, maybe even checking refrigerant, let's make that process, instead of a very complicated 10-step process, make it a two-step process where yeah. anyone can do it, right? Yep. The ease of use. Um, but technology itself has been able to make that happen, right? Yeah. Uh, computer chips and the way they're manufacturing things these days and these open echelons and having all of this uh, back-end programming that used to have, like I said, you'd have a website, you'd have to hire someone who would spend a month developing your website and then to do an update. Oh, God forbid, that was like a whole nother task. <laughs> and now you can, you can make your own website in an hour. You can put an update on there. Your company's having its you know 20th anniversary. You mm -hmm. can put that up there. It's done in five minutes. It's just amazing to see how we've gone from one thing to the next. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've even seen it in the manufacturing side. We sat and we were hosting a, uh, a roundtable discussion. It was about two years ago okay. in a room with uh, major manufacturers. I think it was Linux, uh, Carrier, uh, maybe Ream. And, you know, they had all these engineers that were developing the equipment. Yeah. And, and someone asked the question, how often should you change our commercial equipment? Is there a new standard out there? And, you know, the, the typical life cycle of a piece of equipment could be 10 to 13 years, let's say, on average in a commercial installation. Yep. And I think the entire audience was floored. He said, well, the new standard is going to be seven years. And people are like, what are you talking about? You know, why would you say that? The reason being is, is the amount of um, energy efficiency that they've been able to obtain in the last five years, uh -huh. it took them 30 years to achieve that before. Yeah. So now you think of, if something was rated at a, I don't know, a 12-seer yep. and it took them 30 years to get to that 12-seer number – well, they've gone from a 12-seer to a, for argument's sake, let's say a 30-seer in five years. So what does that mean? That means is, yeah, although you're going to have a capital expense of $10,000 to change out that piece of equipment, let's say, yep. you better start doing that because the energy efficiency savings is going to be you know, so roof. far off the map. It's, 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 it's yeah. foolish not to embrace these certain you know, theories. But then, again, my job is not to ultimately convince you yep. that, that this is the right move because this is a great move, right? It's like saying, let's put solar on your house. You know it's a great <laughs> thing, right? Yep. What's yeah. the biggest sticking point? The biggest sticking point is I don't have the capital to do that, mm -hmm. right? So what happens? Then they either come up with this financing thing where they split in the savings with you, yep. right? Um, or you just don't embrace it whatsoever. But yep. the people that embrace it will reap the reward. Yeah. Um, so it's foolish to look at it on the front end saying, I don't have the, the capital. Maybe you just don't have the capital. Mm -hmm. I had one client years ago, for years, um, probably they, they were bought out by uh, Walgreens ultimately. But their philosophy was they never changed equipment. And we would go back to them every year and say, look, this piece of equipment's now 18 years old. You've spent wow. $10,000 on this machine this year. And they go, doesn't matter. Because that was their model. Their model was, we're going to you know, kill this piece of equipment. Wow. And if you could still change, yes, sir. You know, but it worked for them. Very success, successful company. It was a local uh, drug chain that had probably about 140 locations. Okay. They were gobbled up, not only once but twice. Um, 
But you see, they had a different approach to it. They owned all the shopping centers that they were in. Okay. Ah. So what they did, their ultimate goal was they took a company that was 30 years old. They sold off the, the drug piece. They still held all the leases. Yeah. They did that when they sold. They re-upped all, all their leases for the next 10 or 20 years. Guaranteed and then they revenue. sold off all their property. They, oh I think they gosh. had a $700 million exchange at the end of the day when they sold off all their properties at the end of it. So wow. just to put it in context. So although it seems foolish on the front end, they definitely had an idea of where they wanted to be ultimately. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they clearly had an end game, you yep. know. And they were putting their dollars to better use than spending it on the equipment itself. That's it, interesting. So so again, it may make perfectly good sense, but I don't have to convince Look, if you want to pay me to con continue to change out components, I'll gladly do that. <laughs> But I'm going to give you all of the data. Look, you spent 10000 in repairs. For fifteen. you could have had a new piece of machinery. No, 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 no. This is why we did it. No, there may have been accounting you know, reasons why yeah. they did it beyond as well. But, you know, we're just here to tell the story, give the best piece of advice, and you take it to where you want it to go. Yeah. No, I, I love that approach, though, because, I mean, as, you know, facility service company as yourself, you know, you guys have been successful. You guys have been around for basically two decades now. Um, start starting next year and you understand human relationships you understand that there's more to selling something than you know just 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 getting money out of somebody like you're you're trying to find that problem try to see if you can provide a solution if you can find a middle ground where you both agree great if you don't you know what this is my recommendation if you don't want to take it that's fine but this is what i'll say if you want to keep paying me to just to change out filters and belts every year and then I'll do that you know like I'll do what you want but this is what I think you should do and there's right. you know what there's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day we do that with our own cars mechanics come to us like you should do this this and this okay I get that I just don't have the money to spend five grand to do this this and this okay right. cool or you can rent the car in three months and there's no reason to do it and I get it right so there's there's always different pieces and ways to slice and dice it yeah. um, or let's say the company had a bad quarter or yep. a bad year. You yep, know, we're yep. going to see a lot of this, unfortunately, yeah. in, 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 the, in the near future um, where they, you know, wanted to do 12 p.m.s a year, yep. right? Because it was a high volume. Well, now, you know what? To save money, we're going to do six or yep. four. Um, uh, we're going to go from, you know, this – and the reason being is, is not only we have lost revenue, but now we've got to take money that was allocated for the HVAC and put it into cleaning now. Yep. COVID cleaning. Yeah, right? yeah. Right? So we're going to reposition the money accordingly. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how all of this, you know, transpires over the next, you know, three, yeah. six, nine months because um, it, it's it's definitely something that uh, nobody saw coming in this magnitude. Yep. Uh, but I, I I truly feel that once we get past this, this sticking point um, that we will come out of it stronger, not only – us personally, but but as an, an economy and as a country, yep. um, but it's going to make us tighten up a lot of loose practices right now. I agree. From procuring goods, you know, from China and or wherever, and making sure our supply chain is is better served, uh, you know, albeit maybe in house, meaning in the U.S., bringing yep. some of that back here. But it's going to spawn a whole new, you know, uh, diverse business practice and manufacturing capability in the United States again, which is long overdue in my yeah. opinion. No, I agree. I, I agree. I, I look at it like if we don't learn something out of this, then we went through this, you know, for almost no reason. We yep. should learn something, adapt, 
and come up with a solution for our business as well to keep ourselves relevant for the next, you know, before the, you know, for the next recession, if you will. Um, yep. So anyways, I don't want to cut this. This has been a great conversation, but um, Keith, this is kind of your shot now where you can kind of let us know how to get in touch with you guys and, and then go from there. Sure. Um, Boss Facility Services, you can contact us at info at bossfacilityservices.com or call uh, 631-361-7430, extension 260. We'd love to hear from you. If you need anything, even if it's just advice, you know, feel free to reach out. You can reach out to me personally if you need to. It's just Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at bossfacilityservices.com. Um, as, as we mentioned earlier, built on superior service. Um, it's a battle cry. It's, uh, <laughs> I love it, man. It sure. is. It's, uh, I love that. That's great. But we provide service nationwide, you know, full uh, continental United States, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and Canada. So, uh, you know, feel free anytime. Call us. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Hey, Keith, I appreciate your time. This has been great. I mean, especially talking to someone that's been in the industry that has both the technical side, but then also you've got the business mindset, which is really important. Um, so thanks for your time. This has been awesome. I look forward to the next one. Awesome. <laughs> thanks, guys. This is Javier with, with us. Sorry, let me say this again. Thanks, guys. This is Javier with CMI Mechanical. You're listening to Facility and Property Management Secrets Radio. And thank you for tuning into this podcast. If you guys have any other questions or if you guys want to be a guest on our podcast, feel free to just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just send me a private message. Or you can send me an email as well, too. Very easy to find. Um, so anyways, with that said, hope you guys have a wonderful day.